0: Hello and welcome to a long-awaited episode of Something Old, Something New, the podcast from Fan Critical, where Lucy, your host today, that's me, and Emma, discuss something old and beloved, potentially, that we've watched recently, and something new that we've gotten into also. Um, So yeah, we have been on a bit of a hiatus from podcasting for a little while because we had Mm. absolute mammoth task of reviewing house of the dragon and so that was what 10 10 weeks 10 episodes 10 long years 10 years have passed um so that was pretty intense i also did the lord of the rings podcast so that was more content so we have had a little break and we're back hopefully feeling refreshed with some new things to talk about so emma my co-host for the day how are you doing uh well we've just been talking about this pre-record uh now that I'm in
1: my mid thirties, I slept funny on Sunday and trapped a nerve in my neck, so uh, I'm a little bit crippled currently. It'll get you. <laughs> but apart from that, that gave me a great excuse to La and say from watch uh this is not for Sossen, uh watch some Christmas films, uh, yes, ready for a, an imminent Christmas podcast. Uh, so, so I'm happy in that sense and, uh, suitably dosed up on painkillers. And, and how are
0: you, dear hostess Lucy? Yeah, I'm okay. I've got a lovely dry cough, which I'm sure we'll all become familiar with throughout the duration of the podcast. They just don't go, do they? It's just annoying. Um, but yeah, fine. Other than that, been enjoying having a bit of having my Tuesdays to myself briefly. Yeah. Um, Tuesdays are the worst day of the week for me, so... Podcasting on a Tuesday, sometimes it just feels like the cherry on the cake, but it's always a pleasure to do these podcasts because I like hearing what Emma's been watching. And sometimes you get some inspiration, sometimes you just get to chat about something that you both love and it's a surprise going in. So I don't know what you're going to discuss, you don't know what I'm going to discuss. We're all in the dark together, which is quite a comforting thought. So why don't we begin um, on that slightly spooky intro, Um, Emma? I'm gonna start with you. Do you? I'm gonna give you a choice though, because I said spooky. I wonder if you've done, you've watched anything spooky. Would you like to do something old or something new?
1: Well, that, I was just thinking as you said that that is the perfect segue to my something. You're always old. spooky.
0: You're a spooky chick. So, oh, this,
1: but this is a, this this is a real sort of spooky old here. Um, so this is a little a little while back, but we haven't done one of these for a while. So maybe a month ago uh I, I dug through the chests of old spooky favorites uh whilst preparing uh for a halloween uh costume that i was doing mm. for work and i dug out the and let me just get the year right on this uh the nineteen ninety three spooky classic hocus pocus
0: oh my god love it
1: i had love I, that I, when so when i, I had kid. not watched hocus pocus i don't think since i'm i was like thirteen or something. Maybe, you know, just in my teens. And I am, as we've just discovered from the fact of injured my neck by sleeping funny, no longer in my teens. Uh <laughs> and I you know what I'm like, I'm not very good at watching films. I like to watch them in pieces. Yes. uh Like, like stages. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I could watch ten hours of a TV series, but ask me to watch a two-hour movie and, and it's a challenge. Um for anyone who has never seen Hocus Pocus, if anyone listening to this hasn't, I, I'm disappointed in you and you have homework now. Uh, it's directed by Kenny Ortega, uh, stars Sarah Jessica Parker, Bette Midler, Kathy Najimi, uh, and a host of other faces that weirdly you'll recognise more so as an adult than you would first watching it. Uh, and a, a very simple description a teenage boy named Max and his little sister moved to Salem. Da, da, da where he struggles to fit in before awakening a trio of diabolical witches that were executed in the 17th century. Uh, it is just, it's pure joy, this film. Um, it's, I think, the only time I've ever seen Sarah Jessica Parker, and she's made me laugh. Kathy Najimi is just, oh, she is epic. She's hilarious, she's bumbling, she's useless, she's... Ad- adorable and just the whole thing is is great and i think that some of the some of my favorite scenes are uh, when they don't have their broomsticks and they have to go riding off in into the sky on various different uh hoovers hoovers yeah, yeah. there's a there is a carpet sweeper in there a good old swifter uh which i just <laughs> absolutely loved and a dirty old mop and it's just it it's i can imagine as a kid it's probably
0: quite scary I mean, I think it is quite scary. Is it Billy, who is like the zombie man, whose mouth has been sewed up? That's pretty graphic for a kid's film. And they want to kill babies. They want to, well, they want to kill kids. They want to kill all the children. Hmm. All of the children.
1: Uh, One of the things that really made me laugh, so, and I don't know if I brought this up in, in the last... Um, that we did but obviously I've been re-watching lots of old procedurals and I'm I'm currently in in the midst of 20 seasons of NCIS
0: my god
1: uh, yeah I know it's terrible ow uh, please don't
0: bring that to the podcast because no, I don't not. think I've
1: got it in me to listen to you talk about <laughs> NCIS I won't but what did make me laugh about watching Hocus Pocus is the guy that plays Thackeray so the boy from the 17th century Thackeray Biggs Thackeray Biggs who also is a cat just so you know, giving real old-school Sabrina the Teenage Witch vibe. He yeah. um, is played by a guy called Sean Murray, who is in NCIS. There you go. Glad he made it. Six of Kevin Bacon, my friends. <laughs> um, But the other thing that I... I and I, I just love the cast. So the this, the younger sister uh, in the modern-day uh, part oh, of yeah. Hocus Pocus is Thora Birch. Yeah. Like, absolutely genius. Um, it's Billy Butcherson that you're thinking of. That's it, yeah. Uh, so for anyone who hasn't seen and... Hocus Pocus or doesn't remember, Billy Butcherson is Sarah Jessica Parker's ex boyfriend. But there was also he'd had
0: an affair with one of her sisters, and so yeah, she killed him and so his mouth up. Yeah, and his fingers get, he get run over as well, I believe, don't they? When he's coming out of a manhole or something you know i mean it was for children i was obsessed with it when i was young and i watched it a couple of years ago at halloween um but what makes me laugh is it is for kids but it's quite a large part of the plot comes around the fact that the main character is a virgin and it's you know mentioned quite a lot and it's seen as actually something quite laughable that he's still a virgin even though how old is he I think he's like 14 or 15. So why is, like, even in the 90s, why is he being mocked for being a virgin? I'm pretty sure like, at one point his own dad mocks him for being a virgin. It's like, um, that's fine. That's probably legal and above board to not be, not have had sex. Like a- Appropriate, I would shouldn't suggest. Shouldn't have lit the candle because, you know, it ensued mayhem. But it's just, it's funny to watch it now as an adult and be like, oh, that was seen as a real issue. I mean, actually, now that you've mentioned it, that's pretty horrific. I hadn't, I mean, I'd thought it was a bit odd. Um, And it's a PG. It's not even like it's a 12 or anything. No, it's straight up. No, it's definitely
1: a PG. A couple of other key moments that I really love about the film. Uh, So there's a musical number. And if if you remember, there's a. Yes, uh, yes, of (laughs) course. Pet Midler sings, I'll put a spell on you. So good. Uh, At the reunion ball. Yeah. uh, Where all the parents were. They'll dance themselves to death uh which it just it it's so catchy it's so good um i'm pretty sure billy turns up there as well and no one is the wiser because of course it is halloween all halloween hey great costume Eve. that kind great of costume reaction yeah. um and uh, th- there's another bit where the kids um, go up to a policeman in the uh, in the street and they're, like, desperate for him to help them. And uh, and he's one of the ones that laughs at him for being a virgin because Max tells yeah. the story. <laughs> he says, I've accidentally awoken these three witches, the Sanderson sisters, who everybody knows about, um, and they're trying to get me because I lit the candle and I'm a virgin. The guy's at, in absolute stitches taking the piss out of him when the kids walk away. <laughs> he's Just not a, a policeman.
0: Very... It's a Halloween costume. Yeah, I was gonna say very normal reaction from the police there, but you know. <laughs> Bizarre. Um I, I do you know what I really loved about it? Is it was just
1: the pure nostalgia of it. Because as much as you can look back at now in, in our thirties and go, being appropriate, taking the piss out of someone being a virgin at fifteen, when he probably definitely should be a virgin. Um Also, these women are just trying to kill children to say beautiful forever, probably a bit wrong. Uh, But it does just remind you of that. that There's a a period, I think, in the sort of early to mid-ish 90s of pure classic gold of movie making. Like, I mean, this, Death Becomes Her, uh, that type of sort of farcical, uh, with a particular set of female actresses. Female actors? Yeah. actors uh, you know a- around a particular age so like Bette Midler and Catherine and Jimmy and um, oh my god have I complete mind blank uh, Sarah Jessica Parker yeah thank you <laughs> Um, who, who are in these kind of really slightly odd slightly off kilter very 90s films like yeah. this and, and it, a it darkness is darkness there yeah it's dark that and it's funny we loved <laughs>
0: as kids we were like totally
1: yeah. Totally. I don't know how I wasn't terrified by this. Um, And and just to add to to the bonus of this, it's an hour and 36 minutes. Don't even need
0: a break in that. That's the perfect film. That's how they used to make them, you know. They could tell a story in that amount of time. It wasn't a problem. Uh, Did
1: you know that in some versions in the UK in the early 2000s, they took out things like... Billy when he runs around without his head um, and
0: things like that. I did not. I mean, the versions I remember from being a kid were pretty full on, you know, had everything in there.
1: The whole shebang. Um, My final bit of trivia for you for Hocus Pocus, uh, which is a real life trivia. uh, Which sister do you think I dressed up
0: as for Halloween? I know because I remember... So, am I allowed to use my prior knowledge to win the question? Oh, I can't remember her name, though. Kathy, Naj- no, Kathy Najimy's, um character, who is called... Mary. Mary. Right, yeah. And you looked... I mean, you don't look like her, which probably... She's pulling a funny face, so that's part of it. But um, you the costume was brilliant. Handmade a lot of it, wasn't it? Almost completely handmade, but <coughs> a, 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 a purchased cape
1: uh so there you go both uh nostalgic and inspiring
0: hocus pocus i have not yet watched H- hocus pocus no neither have i uh i hear bad things but the originals also got bad review like a bad score on Rotten tomatoes so i don't really care i don't trust it i don't care what they. i don't think, think it matters
1: would you like me to blue Britt? yeah why not it's a solid four for me yeah, even after all these years, it stands the test of time, somewhat like temporarily the Sons and Sisters do.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's nostalgia, isn't it? And um, it's still quite funny and just, I just love that kind of, yeah, like Salem, um, the that era of like, well, the, the 90s era, but also the era that they're sort of talking about, which is like the colonial era and all that. Um, it's very interesting and it's very Halloween-y, the colours and... The town is so gorgeous, and it, yeah, it's very satisfying to watch. Very pleasing for that kind of time of the year.
1: Highly recommend a rewatch if you feel like something nostalgic, cozy, and, and yeah, slightly if creepy.
0: Scared of really scary films for Halloween. I think those kind of mid-level. Well, not mid-level. Is it? It's fucking kids' film. But mid-level sort of ones are like yeah, the bet middler level They're they're just good to kind of get into that little. Spooky zone without actually being afraid to turn off your lights. Correct. There yes, you go. Well, There's my something lovely. old for you, Liz. I mean, we are like a m- m- less than a month until Christmas and we're over a month from Halloween. Well, nearly. But it stands a test of time and you can watch it any time of year, I'm sure. Lovely choice. Okay, so kind of related if we're talking about spooky, um, female cast... Uh, strong performances. Um, I My Something New is very new in fact. It recently debuted in the cinema but also on Netflix. They're doing that more often and I quite like it because I never get to the cinema. Um, but I do own a Netflix subscription and a TV so that's a lot easier for me to watch. And the <laughs> film, it is a film, I watched it on Sunday and I, that is a notorious slot for me to just fucking fall asleep. And I did not fall asleep, even though it's quite slow and quiet at times. And that film is called The Wonder, starring <gasps> our friend of the pod, because we just talk about it all the time, and I'm obsessed with her. It's starring Florence Pugh, who is exceptional, of course.
1: I did not know they have released that on Netflix. I can't wait to hear you talk about this.
0: Yes, it is on Netflix now i would highly recommend it um directed by Sebastian Lelilo Lelio oh, I've probably butchered that I do apologize it's essentially a kind of like a psychological thriller based in religion um set in Ireland so I think it's in like the 1860s so post famine but the the shadow of the the Irish famine does loom over the proceedings, and Florence Pugh plays a young nurse, an English nurse named Lib, who travels to a very tiny, remote village in rural Ireland at the request of a council of clergymen, doctors, because there is a eleven year old girl who um, has not eaten for four months. Whoa! And it's a miracle. It's a wonder. It is. Oh, it does so sound she's like a wonder. There she is there to take shifts eight hour shifts with a nun to watch the girl to to get to the bottom of it essentially because the thing the thinking behind the council is that this is a miracle and she may be sort of liable for sainthood but as you can imagine things are not what they seem within the family um and florence the character she plays also has her own baggage and trauma that she carries with her the setting of, you know, there's a girl not eating in the aftermath of the famine, which was devastating. And there is a few kind of stories about how people were affected. Um, it's just very interesting. I would say that it's slightly less than the sum of its parts because the conclusion is not maybe as satisfying as you would wish in some ways. But her performance for is absolutely outstanding. The young girl in it is also Like, for her age, I think she's only 13 now. So I imagine she was 11 or 12 when it was shot. She is fantastic. Um, I'm going to get her name because she deserves a name. I was going to say, is she an unknown So her mum in the film is her mum in real life. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, uh, That's, oh gosh, Elaine Cassidy, who has been in a few things. But we sort of—it's about you know that there's a a framing of the narrative at the start and and the end. I won't spoil it, which does throw you off a bit, and I think it was quite unnecessary. Um, But just as a story about you know faith, religion, what religion can drive you to, and just how different things were then, and you know how this family come to terms with what's happening with their daughter the truth behind what is actually happening to their daughter and why it's happening and the family, the church's uh, collusion in it, um, especially against the backdrop of the famine. Yeah. is extremely interesting and it's very creepy and the score in particular is unbelievably creepy. It's
1: really interesting, isn't it? Because I think Florence Pugh has all of a sudden in the last couple of years just burst out in... yeah, like The talent coming from that woman is unreal, right? Like even... Um, I know a few people didn't like it, but when she was in, uh, with all the Black Widow, um, you know, playing, can't even remember her name. Um, I I thought she was excellent in that. And she's
0: shown that she's got such a range of skills um, when it comes to acting. But something Um, that I find with all her performances is that I, I believe that this is a real person that I'm watching. It's not just Florence Pugh does it again like this, the character of Lib. She you can carry she, you can see the trauma that she carries with her and what she's faced with and, and her trying to do the right thing and not always knowing what it is. Um, I just feel like she's a very lived-in character. She's she's real to me. Um and yeah, there's quite a lot of mystery to it. And then when you realise what is actually going on, you still don't know what's gonna happen. Like, how is this going to end? Um because the world of sort of extreme Catholicism in rural Ireland is something that we would really struggle to understand and get our heads around in modern times, and there's not that much by way of explanation other than, you know, um, well, one of the characters at one point says, "This life is so short, the next life is endless. So whether you end up in hell and you're burning forever or if you're in heaven, you would basically do anything to guarantee that you're in heaven." Um, That's very interesting. Yeah, and it's something that you think ooh, and you believe that, and it, all the characters have their narratives that they believe. Whatever's true is up to interpretation. But it's it is it is very good, and there's fantastic performances. The score, as I say, is so creepy. Um, it maybe feels a little bit slight towards the end, and I think it could have gone in maybe a bit of a braver direction. But it is based on a novel. By Emma Donahue, who also wrote the um Room. Yeah. Yes. Um I haven't read the book, um Neither but it's an adaptation, so I can imagine. Oh, she's it's supposed good. to be
1: excellent, Emma Donahue. Um, as a writer. Would you class it as like a thriller?
0: Yes, yeah, so I'd say it's, it's not scary. it's not scary in a like jumpy way or it's not horror apart from when I mean, it is horror because what's happening is horrible. Like so essentially she is, yeah, um, hired to watch this girl and she notices that the, the family are having like contact with her, like physical contact. Um, but the, the girl is well, you know, she's a bit, maybe a bit weak, but she's not, she doesn't appear to be someone who hasn't eaten for four months. So the character, Florence Pugh's character says, no one is to go near her. No one's to, go, to touch her. And she starts to starve. So what's been happening? How is she, like her family essentially? Are they they must be complicit? They must be feeding her. How is it happening? And also, who is going to stop this now that she is starving to death? Is uh, is this going to be allowed? She won't eat, so she says she's survived on manna from heaven. That's what she's living on. Um. So if her family are have been feeding her and now they're not are they going to allow this to go to its natural end, which is that she dies and becomes a saint? Um, it's very interesting. Um, I would, yeah, I'd be interested to if you did watch it just to like see what you thought because, and it is short. It's about an hour, and maybe an hour and 37. Lovely. So, very lovely. Well, I think that's probably um, what helped me stay
1: awake. Now that I know it's on Netflix, I'm definitely going to watch it. mm I do I, I, recommend I've
0: it. Becomes theatre, cinema reverse. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. Well, it's just finding the time, finding childcare, and you know, I don't want to do anything after work. So no, neither do the I. It's weekends. winter as well, so I'm not. It I'm is. not down for that. And
1: secondly, additionally to that, uh, it's very expensive these days. Um, but I will quite happily watch something as part of a prepaid subscription that involves me not having to put on real pants.
0: Yeah, especially when it is. You know, it's sort of. Vaguely independent. It's been made for cinema. It's got a star in it of, of the caliber of Florence Pugh, it really does power the whole film. But I just think it asks some interesting questions. And it's, you know, it is quite horrible, some of it. It's sad. It's interesting of this almost unknowable period of, of, of a religion where you just it's impen- impenetrable from our modern views. But I'm sure that if we do have any listeners in Ireland or elsewhere who you know were raised catholic the idea of you know having to perform certain prayers or certain acts in order to guarantee a loved one's entrance to heaven that still happens because there's a strong belief that you'll be in purgatory if if you don't do I can't remember the word I know how it's spelt but I have no idea how it's pronounced um certain things that you have to do in order to guarantee the the, the soul's place in heaven and Uh, to put that onto a 11 year old girl is pretty it's a huge thing it's It's got a really
1: interesting cast as well I mean you've got people like Kieran Hines, Toby Jones, Tom Burke like what amazing actors that's it and
0: so you've got the clergy who are quite keen on it being her being canonized and then you've got the doctors who are not immune to the effects of religion so it's not like man, man of reason versus man of religion the man of science is also very religious and would like her to be like it to be real and and thinks there might be ways around it that she's somehow drawing like nutrients from magnetism and all this nonsense whereas florence pugh is very grounded in reality and well she doesn't eat she's going to die so what what do we do about that yeah i definitely recommend it to yourself and to our listeners it is there's a lot of, because she's so, she doesn't live in, in the farmhouse where this this miracle is occurring. She has to sort of trudge across the uh, the moors, the kind of beautiful but desolate landscape. So there's a lot of her just trudging around. And at first I was like, there's a lot of that. And I thought, well, actually, yeah, she's staying really far out of town. So this is how she would get into their house every day. Um, but yeah, a uh, very interesting film. And I've kind of thought about it a bit since watching it, which doesn't always happen, but just some of the scenes, especially there's a uh, scene with the young girl Anna, um, and her performance is just so good. You just think, "Wow!" And it's very sad and how people can be brainwashed by religion. If,
1: it feels a little bit um kind of uh not exorcist, but that sort of thing. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, a, there a religious are... phenomena type. You know, there's bit of nothing fervor... so
0: horrible as that but there is a scene of sort of mild body horror but like very mild Um and the expression on the girl's face there is again it's not it's not the exorcist but there is that sort of religious horror of just Leah looking at this girl in a in a gown in bed bed bound at points yeah it, it's not a million miles away from there and just the spectre of religion um, well I won't
1: watch it tonight then <laughs> maybe I don't want to have dreams
0: about it's not it's Irish scary. famine yeah it's 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 not scary but it's just I guess the ideas in it kind of make you think and sad because it's a ultimately whatever's happening to this girl is happening and she's only 11 and it's not nothing's her whatever whatever the reason for this phenomenon it's not you know she's not to blame but yeah, I I really recommend it. Um, I'd be interesting what you thought of uh, the ending because I I'd like to talk to someone else about it. I've spoken obviously with Aaron, we watched it, but I'd like to discuss it at length. So
1: I shall let you know when I've finished, and we shall have that discussion off yes. air.
0: Perfect. Okay, so that's my something new. What is your something new? Oh, I'm going to I'm going to take this up a
1: notch. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't creepy. <laughs> you aren't creepy. I've got some serious creepy for you. Uh it will be no surprise to anybody. I think I can uh, guess what you're going to say, but yeah, uh, that my something new is the uh recently released TV mini series uh Dharma. Uh for anyone uh I'm going to read you the IMDb summary the story of the Milwaukee milwaukee monster told from the perspective of the victims and police incompetence that allowed the wisconsin native to go on a multi year killing spree um i unusually for me given what i'm like with tv series is, is had to watch this in very small doses uh so it, it is a dramatization of the story of what well, the story the, the very true very horrific uh events uh that kind of happened before and after Jeffrey Dahmer is caught after his psychotic, murdering, cannibalistic spree. Um and it was very interesting when it came out because I, you know me, I love a serial killer. Hate them f- for being awful people but find them fascinating. So I knew probably 90% of the stuff that happened in this series, it did not in any way take away from the horror of watching it. And I've got to say, if Evan Peters doesn't win some kind of award for his portrayal of Jeffrey Dahmer, then the world is wrong. That man, I mean, he... So Evan Peters, if, if you remember, we've seen him as Quicksilver.
0: Uh, I, I'm, in, yeah, I'm familiar with him. He's always does a bit of creepy work, doesn't he? He's in American at, Horror Story all the time.
1: Yeah, his... His portrayal <clears throat> was utterly utterly like i was completely enraptured by it but at the same time like i close my eyes and be terrified by it kind of thing um he played it so unbelievably well and to the point where it's like in no way do i at all feel sorry for jeffrey darmer but i did feel a little bit sorry for evan Peters's jeffrey darmer at at times but the cast is unreal Uh, you know his 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 performance was so moving and creepy and disgusting and devoid of emotion and like that that for me was incredible and then you've got I can't remember what I know her from but Niecy Nash
0: I think she's been in like what has she been in uh I know who you mean, but my brain is a blank. Was yeah. she in Something like that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I mean, she's been in a few things, and she plays um she
1: plays Dharma's neighbor who multiple times called the police to say, you know, young men are coming in and never leaving. Um, I can smell all these horrific things, i.e., decomposing dead body parts. Um, you know, this man's doing this, he's doing that, and, that, and nobody listened to her. Uh, and her performance is utterly. Like wonderful as uh, I think Glenda Cleveland her name is, um, and then you've got so the guy that plays Jeffrey Dahmer's dad, uh, Richard Jenkins. Again, he's one of those people that you've seen in loads of stuff. Yeah, I think I know who his that face. is. Yeah. Um, and he one of the things that I found most disturbing about the series was his relationship with his son, which I didn't know as much about, um, and kind of how he capitalised on Jeffrey Dahmer's crimes after he was taken. And, it, you know, it's it's one of, it's, so, I mean, he predominantly murdered through sort of late 80s, early 90s sort of period, I think. So it's got this really nostalgic kind of club scene type, you know, it's a little bit of kind of more free abandon and, you know, gay men are able to, uh, you know, live their life a little bit, less in fear and you're sort of just on the cusp of kind of the aids um kind of initial aids crisis epidemic um starting to level out a little bit and it's just it's a really interestingly done piece so i think the first two episodes i watched the first two episodes and then i had to stop and i, I waited a week before i watched episode three <laughs> so i was like it's too much there's dead bodies everywhere. Um, And it it really is, and I I know that you can't judge, but the incompetence of the police was You can judge, and you should. I'm judging. They were absolutely useless. Um, And it's just such an utter tragedy. And there's one particular example, and I remember a friend of mine was watching it at a similar time to me, um, where one of the boys... And, I, and I'm really boy. I mean, I think he's like thirteen or fourteen. He's been he's gone home with Jeffrey Dahmer. He's been drugged, and he manages to escape. Um, well, he's been drugged and also partially lobotomized. Uh, I don't know. why I'm laughing. I'm I'm uncomfortable with it. And, uh, and he manages to escape. And uh, Jeffrey Dahmer tells the police it's his boyfriend, and they give this kid back to Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah they're no. back
0: like what There's the fuck been a lot i wonder what you think about this the victims families didn't want this to be made so that young boy is a real person has family um and this is out there now what where do you stand on that when the victims say please do not do victims family say please do not make this entertainment out of our grief our tragedy tragedy our horror um someone like Ryan Murphy goes mm, no we're gonna do it like what do you think about that
1: I mean I think it's a really really fair thing for them to say and it's a fair thing for them to feel um you know unfortunately and it's a bit of a shame to say um you can't stop people making
0: things like this no but should there be some conti- I mean I have to say I'm sort of off true crime now anyway excuse me out but the fact that the victims' families were so vocal and so adamant against this being made made me think, well, I don't want to watch it because...
1: Right, so I didn't realise, I didn't read much about it and I didn't realise how against it they were until after I'd watched it. And I can, in hindsight, understand why, because it's not so much... Well, it, it reminded me a little bit of a slightly more Hollywoodised version of Dez, which is about Dennis Nielsen, which had a similar reaction. Um, And I think... It is a little bit, as much as they try to show who the victims were, it's about Jeffrey Dahmer. And there is a, you know, if it was the other way around, it, it would be different. I think there's there's probably one particular example that I felt was really them trying to, to give life to a victim who lost his life. There's a particular episode that I thought was really incredibly movingly done for me personally, uh, which is about one of his victims who was deaf, uh, and and almost the whole episode is like there's just there's no sound, or there's just like muffled sound, and it's a lot of sign language and subtitles. And I think that, I think they were trying to be respectful and trying to show. Something different, but I think in in hindsight, as much as on the on one on one hand, I think Evan Peters did an incredible job. He will always now be Dharma to me, and I'll never be able to unsee that. On the other side of it, I think it was very kind of glamorized and dramatized, and I can totally understand why the victims' families wouldn't have wanted it to be made. And it, and it is a shame, and I think that's, that's where you run the risk a little bit, I think, with a dramatised version of something like this, rather than a documentary.
0: Yeah, because people are talking about Evan Peters and how fantastic he is, but, you know, oh, actually, maybe I like fancied him a bit, and actually I felt a bit sorry for him, and what he did wasn't so bad, and you get getting a lot of that kind of... I'm sorry, who said they fancied Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, there's not Peter's as him. Uh, no, um, and never compared, again. You know, compared to some serial killers, you know, at least he drugged like all this kind of weird um, excusing him, which I'm sure was not the intention of the makers of the show. But I think we are at a point now where true crime is so popular that the victims are just left behind because we all say Jeffrey Dahmer. Do you know any of the v- names of the victims? It's like with Jack the Ripper. It's like, ooh, do I Jack the Ripper tour? It's like these women were like murdered. It's not entertainment. It's not fun. Um, But I I understand the appeal of it because obviously I've I've maybe not that extreme like serial killers, but just the the kind of true crime detective like how did they solve this crime? Things did used to appeal to me. Um, But yeah, I have to say that the Dharma thing just it didn't. I just and I also think we all we all know like like you say there are documentaries about it that are a bit more dispassionate and the facts are there if you want to know what he did to these young men and boys um boys most of them were just boys yeah you don't need, necessarily need to watch a show where he's sort of I don't want to say humanize because he was human you know he's a human being that did this he's not a monster he's not a boogeyman he was a real person hey. um but I think
1: you have to remember that, I mean, he basically wanted to turn his victims into zombies so they'd never leave him, which is why he drugged them and then partially lobotomized them. That's not kind. That's not, you know, having compassion for your victims and not wanting them to suffer. That That's just fucking sick. That's just your own um, depraved And then needs. he ate them. Then he ate. Yeah. Them. So let's all just. The thing for me that I think was disappointing after finishing it and then reading the kind of reactions to it, and I think in hindsight, yeah, quite glamorized is maybe the way to put it. And It's not glamorous, but you know what I mean. Is that there is there was talk about a second season just about Jeffrey Dahmer. And I feel that that is a step too far.
0: I think it's a lot.
1: I think he was... I think he was killed in prison. Mm-hmm. I shan't say anything else about that. <laughs> Just, Good. Okay. Um, and I think... Yeah, I, I think it's it's a very difficult line. Um, but I think if you if you do have every single one of the victim's families saying, no, maybe think about it.
0: Yeah, or like that they weren't really consulted. Like, did it need to be made, do you think? When there are documentaries, if you're interested in... Um, the mechanisms behind it and the really the injustice prevalent in in the the police force that allowed it to continue. That's sort of an interesting angle, and I can understand why they went along those lines because it sounds like they did. But I think you can do that without sort of showing people who are real people being like butchered and whatnot.
1: I think it there is, could have been a balance in between. But I, I definitely thought it was interesting, and I th- and I think you know there's. It, there's certainly parts of it that i think were very well done um and i think if if you step away from the uh, i suppose the well you can't really step away from the reality of it but if you step away from the con- con- controversy about it um a lot of it was very well done i i think in places it was far too gratuitous
0: yeah I mean but I, I felt haven't seen that- it, so I'm not gonna pass judgment and say it's this or that. It's just from what the victim families have said. I'm thinking we'll try and see it from their side. Um but it was very popular and it was everywhere and litch I think I don't think I know anyone apart from myself that didn't watch it because it seems like it was just one of those things that's like on your Netflix, watch it, watch it. I was like, No, I didn't want to.
1: I am. Um- I wouldn't recommend watching it if you ever want to sleep again.
0: I can't, well, I can't sleep yeah. at the moment anyway, so don't don't make it any worse. But mate. yeah, I still don't <laughs> want to. No, no. I mean, obviously, serial killers terrible, scary, um, but kind of my something old. Also scary. Now you you spoke about Hocus Pocus, beloved childhood film. Maybe a little bit scarier than you remember so my daughter is getting to the age where she is interested in films and i'm like great i'm going to show you all the classics so we watched nightmare before christmas which she actually sat through and was engaged with and you know was asking where jack's mum was you know very on it loves it loves the songs and i i was obsessed with that when i was a kid so it's good to see that she's following in some prestigious footsteps um so we, we've we watched a few things, you know, we've watched The Snowman, we've watched Father Christmas, like all the things I loved when I was a kid. So I was thinking, what else did I used to love when I was a child? Now this is a film that is a bit obscure, I'd be surprised if you've heard of it, let alone seen it. I feel like if we have American listeners out there, they might be more familiar with it. Um, it was released in 1987, I don't know how or why I've seen it, but it was a bit of a family favourite, and it is the animated, I'm going to call it a classic... The Brave Little Toaster. Do you know this film? I do not, but it sounds excellent. So it's not Disney, but um, it's a cartoon. Uh, Feature length, so it's like an hour and a half, and it's essentially the story of a band of sort of dated appliances. So it's a bit of a precursor to Toy Story in some ways. So they're they're the sort of um, the spares that are left in the family cabin. Uh, And they are just there on their own waiting for Master to come back. Master, who is a sort of an Andy type, you know, he was a little boy and that used to spend his summers there using the toaster. There's a toaster, there's a radio, there's a lamp, there's an electric blanket and there's a hoover. The hoover's a grump. They are waiting for Master to come back and, you know, they're arguing, he's not coming back, he will come back, blah, blah, blah. So then they decide to go and find him, go out into the big wide world and find Master And there's so many good songs and they encounter so much, but it is quite scary. So there is an air conditioning unit that speaks like Jack Nicholson, who's like super paranoid and goes into a paranoid frenzy and then like blows up. It's a conspiracy. Like it's quite, yeah, it's quite extreme. Um, They end up in like a used appliance store, which is like all like basically appliances that are there to have parts taken out of them are resold and they all sing this spooky like frankenstein song uh there's a really sad song where they, they go to like a old junkyard with cars and all the cars are singing their old like the stories of their like lives and what they were doing when they were cars in the sort of like boys of summer by don henley way but sad um yeah they they go to masters spoiler warning new apartment in the city and there's loads of new high-tech appliances <gasps> that are really, like, sinister no. like, do-do-do-do. It's really like good. Like a panini press or something. Like Yeah, no. I mean, what it's about the 80s, so it's, like, hi-fi and, you know, <gasps> digital, digital, digital.
1: It makes yeah. me think a little bit of, like, batteries not included.
0: Yes. You want some nostalgia, but the songs are really good. Um, so, at first, Aubrey was a bit scared, but then she sort of latched on because the blanket is like is so cute and so sweet and yellow. And so she kind of liked him. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's on YouTube. That's where I found it. So if you're like, I've got literally nothing to do for an hour and a half and you fancy watching a slightly disturbing. Yeah. And then there was a sequel. I've not seen any of the others. and I, I have no interest. So like the brave little toaster to the rescue. And I think he goes to space at some point, potentially Mars. I don't know how or why. Um, but that's I love the other it. This film. sounds great. It is. But no. the thing is, I loved it as a kid. Then watching it now, I'm like, oh, a little, a little bit. Not very. It's not gritty. very child friendly, you know. It might be animated, but, maybe, but the, the maybe the, the kids don't behind it.
1: Maybe kids don't feel the same way.
0: No, I think we. I mean, we just talked about Hocus Pocus. We were like, yeah, good. Yeah. His mouth sewn up, good. <laughs> That's fine by me. Yay. We didn't mind. Um, mind you, you said that, like, as a kid, I was absolutely terrified of Fantasia. <gasps> I watched Fantasia with her as well. Did she like it? Because I hated it as a child. I loved it, but she, luckily, because she likes dinosaurs, but actually the dinosaur bit's quite scary. Um so like Dancing Hippos. Through that them. bit I yeah. can handle. And um, the fairies, or furries, as she calls them, which is, like, something <laughs> different. Um, and the, the little... yeah i was like don't say that the little dancing mushrooms and all that kind of and um the like unicorns the flying horses pegasuses that's so gorgeous but yeah some of fantasia is scary there's like the ghoulish bit at the end yeah it's interesting watching your childhood favorites with a child
1: well i was going to ask you what it's like because actually i was speaking to um, a friend of mine her daughter is five so she's kind of much more i was about to say compass <laughs> but you know <laughs> she she's older is. so you know she is a she is a little bit more you know advanced and uh shell was saying to me that she'd watched i can't remember what it was that she'd watched with her the other day and she said i had to explain all of these really weird creepy things and now i'm never letting her watch this kind of yeah. stuff again because you don't you just you just
0: watch it you're like yeah like what like watching nightmare for christmas well what's happened to her? I'm like oh she's jumped out the window and what's she doing now She's sewing her own legs back on, like, sitting there, like, talking, like, oh, what's he doing with his head? Oh, he's just lifted his own brain out um, and he's scratching it. Like, this is what we're seeing and this is what I'm letting you watch. Who's in the bag? Um, That's the Easter bunny. Why is he in the bag? They've kidnapped him. <laughs> like, um, I don't want to lie to you, but.
1: But also now I'm saying it out loud. I'm not sure if it's OK. Yeah.
0: Um... Should I be watching this with you? I don't know. I think I might watch The Brave Little Toaster. It's the, the music's so good, but I just think it's funny to watch it and be like, there's nothing that childlike about this. It's just quite a sad, you know, these things that are left behind. A bit like Toy Story, really. I, I can see direct influences. Toy Story is obviously better, but this idea of the people you love outgrowing you and leaving you. Yeah. But it's somber. just sad. But some good, like, songs.
1: Well, and that's sometimes that's the thing you need, you know, as long as there's a good song in there, sometimes it's a little bit better.
0: Some are, and some also, are
1: scary and some are sad,
0: but generally, you know, good time.
1: You've taken us on a nice civilised full circle back to uh, something less horrific and traumatising. Are something news? Were both quite traumatising things to watch by the sounds of it.
0: Yeah, they weren't the two most cheerful. And then to be fair, Brave Little Toaster was also quite like, oh God. I don't remember it being this deep, but still recommend it. It's on YouTube. Well, there you go. In its entirety. not sponsored by YouTube, but you know we do like it. It's very useful if you've got a kid. It's like parent number three. There you go. Well, what what a set of recommendations we've given everyone there? <laughs> I know much to ponder, much to think about with regards to our viewing habits. I think, but good choices all. I think, sort of interesting. You know, the kids' films. Funny that we both chose kids' films from our past. Hmm. Dear listeners, we did not plan this. This is just the way the cookie has crumbled. Sometimes it be like that. Sometimes it be indeed. And the only other new things I've been watching are Christmas Hallmark related, and I'll be saving those for a Christmas special. Well, thank you for that segue, because... We will be doing a series of short podcasts on Christmas classics and also probably not as classic, but just the shit films me and Emma like to watch. Yep. That always end up making us cry. Yep, I do. I cried today. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, same at that. Once I woke up, I was like, why am I moved? Why does this move me? Okay, guys, well, thank you for joining us today. Um, If you do have any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. If you've watched any of the things that we've watched, if you've seen Brave Little Toaster... I would love to know what you thought. You can email us at fancriticalpodcast at com, or you can get us on Twitter or Instagram. That's the other one, yes. Just Google, just search our names, I reckon, and give us give us a message. Thank you, Emma, for joining me on this journey into the darkness of the human psyche. You're welcome. Thank you, Lucy, for hosting
1: and, and bringing us sort of out of it with seeing toasters and bravery. See you
0: later guys. Bye.